previously on Wove Inspiration. Well, I got exactly like you said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. So mm-hmm. I decided, you know, I started going to church and giving my life to God and I'm, you know, crying and praying to God and, you know, just told him to just, you know, I'm just tired to tell me I want my babies back. I want a better life. I can't live like this anymore. You know, because I was getting to the point where I was like, if I keep living like this, then I'd rather be dead. This is Wove Inspiration. Here to inspire, encourage, and uplift. Hey, good morning, good morning. This is Althea with Wove Inspirations, Monday Morning Motivation, and I am so excited to be on this show today with this special guest. She has a much-anticipated book entitled, I Am a Black Woman, and it is an ensemble of a team of 13 African-American women throughout the United States that are eager to share some of their traumatic experiences and how they overcome or overcame the barriers that once stifled them. So welcome to the show, Dr. Carolyn Steffens. Dr. Steffens, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely wonderful, Althea, and I'm super elated about being here on the show, and thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, because I know you are a, a very, very busy woman. So tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. Well, okay. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York, and I usually start there because I'm uh, really proud of where I have come from and where I grew up and where I was raised. And I migrated to Atlanta to uh, go to college. I actually started out pursuing uh, the field of fashion design, and that was my lifelong dream, I thought, anyway, was to be a famous fashion designer, go to California, go to Paris, and just design clothing all over the world. But God always has another plan and another direction. And so uh, I went into a totally different direction. I am the mother of three beautiful adult children, and I do emphasize adult Althea. <laughs> I am super glad that they are. I am super glad that they are now in adulthood. Yes. And so very, very proud of them. Currently, I reside here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I serve as a family support specialist and a community therapist. Okay, okay. And you said you're from Brooklyn, New York. Let's go. I am. I was raised in Brooklyn, New York. What what part of what part of town? I know about. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I grew up in Red Hook Project. Okay. Um, So I grew up there um, by Erie Basin. Now the big uh, cruise cruise line is there now, and it's much different than when I grew up. And I always like to reference the fact that I say unapologetically and unshamefully that I grew up in the project 
because that is where I learned about the sense of community is growing up there. The projects were much different than they are than they are now. That it, 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 at that time, living in subsidized housing did not have the negative connotation that it has now. And then I moved um, into what they call Bedford Stuyvesant. Uh, uh, well, before we moved to Bedford Stuyvesant, I lived on Flatbush Avenue, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Bedford Stuyvesant. So that those are my roots in yes. in Brooklyn. Are you familiar with Flatbush Avenue? I'm, oh, I'm sure you probably yes, are. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> now I could only say that only reason why I would go to New York is to shop, because otherwise I don't want to stay there longer than I have to. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel the same way because I, I, I don't really have much family now that my parents have transitioned. And so um, I only like to go to New York to shop. Mm-hmm. I will be in New York to do a book signing and some television. But other than that, I don't go to New York much now. But it's a great place. If you've never been, everybody does need to go at least one time. At least one time. Yeah. So you are a family therapist and you've been doing that now for over seven years. And during your practice, um, you work in a uh, primarily underserved population and you discovered 98% of your clientele were single African American women. So tell me a little bit more about your, your practice and your service. So, Althea, I started out um, with my degree work being in Christian therapy. So I worked under the auspices of the faith-based community for quite some time. And then I moved over in my education now as in clinical therapy. Um, I did have my own practice for a little while, but what what happened in terms of a private practice as it as it pertains to therapy, most of the people who really needed my services could not afford it. Mm-hmm. And so I shut my private practice down and I moved into to community therapy where I contracted with various community agencies like here in Atlanta, we call it DFACS, which is the acronym for Department of Family Children Services. Mm-hmm. And then I contracted with several of the private agencies who they also contract with Department of Family Children Services. And so contracting with Department of Family Children Services, uh, they primarily will serve the underserved community or low income to no income community. And most of the clients that I had came to me because they had lost their children to the foster care system for various, various reasons. And so Mm -hmm. That became the great, great capacity of my clientele. And out of that, as I began to kind of observe, I had a few men, but 98% of my clients were African-American women, and they were single, running a household by themselves. Mm -hmm. And so for different reasons, it could have been about abuse, it could have been substance abuse use or what have you. They lost their children to the foster care system. And my, my primary job, was to provide therapy for those women so that they could prove themselves to be mentally fit in order to get their children back. Also, I also provided for them parenting so that they could now begin to renew or restore or gain um, effective parenting skills so that they could reunify with, with their children. Okay, okay. 
And so you said you had mentioned that um, during the time of your um, therapy, you observed that a lot of the women uh, shared a common diagnosis, which is PTSD. That is so not uncommon when it comes to especially African-American women because most of the women have been in a violent relationship. So tell me a little Absolutely. bit about that. Yeah. Well, and just like you said, Althea, I began to, over a five-year period, I began to observe that 98% of these women had commonalities. Mm-hmm. And those commonalities were, first of all, they were uh, what we call dual diagnosed. So yes. 98% of these women had one or two diagnoses. For example, ADHD, PTSD, and bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So all of these women were diagnosed with more than one mental disorder. That was pretty common across the board. Um, all of them at some juncture, they were experiencing PTSD. So I started out doing what's called CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy, kind of similar to Dr. Phil's brand of therapy, Mm -hmm. where we kind of get people to take ownership of their behavior. And it is a very effective form of therapy practice. However, as I began to talk with a lot of these women and they talked about their traumatic experiences, most of which was domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I began to move over into what we call trauma-induced therapy. And it's kind of where you begin to help a client to talk about their traumatic experience so that they could deal with the components of that experience in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And as I began to practice trauma-induced therapy, I found out, Althea, that just about all of these women had been in domestic violence relationships. Um, so when I, when I do therapy with a woman who says she's been in a domestic violence situation, mm-hmm. then we begin to peel back the layers because people just don't go into a domestic violence relationship. There are things that have happened before you went into that relationship that kind of got you into that relationship. And so that's where we kind of, what I call, unpack the suitcase and find out what are those things. Those things could be out there. You grew up in a home where you witnessed your mom um, being abused on a constant basis. And so spiritually, we would say, they're kind of living out a generational curse or they lived uh, one of the most common things that I found um, even now when I work with women, if I work with 10 women, nine of those women are going to say that they did not have the presence of a father in the home. Or if the father was in the home, dad was emotionally unavailable, which in turn caused them to be attracted to the wrong kinds of men. And then subsequently, that led them into a relationship that was filled with violence. So in working with these women, I said to myself, I had had written some, I wanted to write a book. 
And I thought to myself, it would be really great if black women had an opportunity to tell their stories because writing is therapeutic. And I always knew that because I would incorporate in my therapy with the women that they had to have a journal. So they would see me for an hour a week and then the rest of the week they had to spend that time writing in the journal and then come back and talk to me about some of the excerpts that they put in that journal. And I saw that that was very effective. So I said, you know, let me, let me just gather some women together that are willing to be transparent and talk about some of their traumatic experiences. And so I prayed about it. I thought many times out there, I'm not going to do this. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. I won't do it. And then I'll, I'll share this. I went through an experience where I lost my dad. Uh, I lost a spiritual son. I lost a fiance and all of this happened in a matter of six months. Mm. And I couldn't understand all of these losses coming back to back. And then I lost a, a major contract, which was 100% of my income. So I had become uh, I had become incomeless, if you will, for a term. And I remember one night I was just devoid of all kinds of resources. I had never been in this place before where I just didn't have anything. And I was taking a shower one night and I was talking to the Lord and I said, and I had tears coming down my face and I said, God, I just don't understand. I I don't have anything. I need things. I need just basic living things. But the thing is out there, I could not think of one person I could ask for help. Mm -hmm. I felt ashamed. I felt alone. Uh, you know, people knew that I was Dr. Carolyn. Who would I go to? I, I just could not think of one sister that I felt comfortable enough to be transparent about my situation and say, hey, sis, can you come bring me this? Can you come bring me that? And that feeling that I experienced that night, it lasted about two hours. And then immediately as I began to pray, and then it lifted up. And I began to talk to God, and I said, God, I don't understand what I've just gone through. And here, Althea, is what God said to me. Mm -hmm. He said, he said, the, what you just felt, the loneliness, the embarrassment, feeling like you were in a world by yourself, you didn't, you couldn't think of not one person that you could turn to, you mm -hmm. felt like you had no support. He said, Right now, in this moment, there are millions of black women who feel that way every single day. Yes. And I thought to myself out there, no sister should ever feel like she is alone or doesn't have support. And I knew in that moment that I had to do this project, that it was a divine mandate on my life to bring women together, not only to share and write about their pain, but that also that there needed to be a sisterhood that needed to be formed so that women could feel on some level that there is another woman that can feel your pain and that can provide you with the support that you need. And so that's the beginning of the I Am A Black Woman book project, which is now turned in, which I did not plan, but it is now turned into a very needful and a growing movement of unification amongst women. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Woo, that's powerful. It is so needed. It is so extremely needed in this day and time. And one of the things yes, that I had mentioned maybe about a week or so ago, 
I had posted a question pertaining to the church. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I know within the African-American community, there are churches on almost every corner of the community. And Absolutely. for whatever reason, there is a problem with an understanding of support for African-American women who go through domestic violence situations. They don't know what to do and they are not educated in what, how to help these women when they come to them. And I've heard time and time again, the story of someone that goes to a pastor or, or someone in the church, even maybe the first lady in the church, and they are looked upon as, girl, get over it. You'll be okay if you just pray. That is not going to work. That is not acceptable. So I am yeah. so grateful and thankful for this book because it is about sisterhood and being our sister's keeper in us trying to get an understanding and a support for every woman that feels the way that you feel just for that moment, just to give you a glimpse of what it is, what it feels like for those women that are out there today. Thank you. You know, Althea, I have to chime in here because what you've just said is so powerful when we talk about the faith-based community. Yes. And the Bible tells us that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another translation that says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And that is definitely uh, something that we see in the faith-based community is a lack of knowledge. Prayer is the foundation for our faith. And I am a woman of prayer. I believe deeply in prayer, but I also believe that we must be educated. Um, I, in, I encourage every pastor, even every pastor that's listening to this call, yes. that at, on some level, even if it's lay counseling, you, you need to educate yourself. You need, your leaders need to be educated in some level of counseling. I personally believe out there that every church should have a clinical licensed counselor yes. on staff to be able to handle and manage those kinds of problems because it is very sad. I myself at one point in my life was a victim of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. When I went to my pastor, this is the advice that I was given. My pastor said, well, you don't, you can't leave your husband. You need to pray your way through it. And I was being beaten at least once or twice a week. Mm. And I did go, I, I went back, but I give God all honor and praise that my life was not taken due to a lack of knowledge and simply just ignorance on his part. But I, I just I knew that God did not want me to live that way, and so I did eventually leave that marriage because I don't, I just don't believe that God would have us to be in a in any relationship where it is abusive. But see, there's there's an undercurrent um, out there for that, and an underlying reason. Let me say, is because in the black community, and I bet that every listener that's listening, if I say this. Everybody can finish it if you're a yeah. black person. Yeah. You've heard your mom say it. You've heard your grandmother say it. What goes on in this house stays, stays 
in this, in this house. house. Yes, well, see, you see, uh, all all of us grew up with that ideology out right. there, and yes. and that's a re and I I understand what what our moms and grandmothers meant by it because they they didn't want us to talk about certain things because at that time they were thinking about survival, and if you talk too much as a black person, you could get killed. But right. the, but what happened is that particular type of ideology it damaged us as a people because. We learn how to keep things buried. We learn how to be silent about the things that we should talk about. And so we just didn't talk about. That's why there were, there were so many cases of incest in our mm -hmm. families. We had Uncle Joe. That We all knew Uncle Joe was raping the yes. women in the family. But you just didn't talk about it. We knew that our grandmothers and mothers were being abused, that their husbands were beating them on Friday night when they mm -hmm. come in stumbling drunk and they get beaten. We see the black guys. But you just didn't talk about it. And then we grew up with those things and then as women that are baby boomers like myself then we picked up those same habits and thought it was okay to be in those kinds of relationships and so the church has that same ideology well you just pray and you don't talk about it and they don't realize that not talking about it is so damaging to the community at large and that's why this book is so important yes. because you know, these women are talking about it. I mean, and you should talk, you should talk about it. You should voice about it. You should tell about the effects of it, your pain, your trauma, and what happens. And we're doing it for the next generation so that they won't be ignorant to these things. Yes. So yes, that is so important. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And following you, I will be having several other interviews with these women that uh, have participated in the writing of this book, I Am a Black Woman, in the next yes. couple of weeks or so. I am so excited because this is an opportunity for women, Black women, to get their voice out there, use their voice. It is so necessary in this day and time. Dr. Stephens, yes, what do you want people to get out of this book after they've read your book? Well, I want to take this opportunity to first of all thank you, Althea, for utilizing your platform to bring these women on. The stories that you ladies will read in this book, uh, these are some of the most courageous women that I've ever known in my life because these women talk about divorce, uh, the ups and downs of single parenting. They talk about what it's like when your husband walks off and leaves you and you're having to raise uh, uh, challenged children by yourself. Uh, women talking about what it's like to, to be financially bankrupt and having to come up from poverty. Um, we have women who talk about being sex trafficked. We have one sister whose story, she talks about what life was like for her when she was 15 years old and she went into a life of stripping just to take care of herself because her mom was a drug addict, her father was a pimp. I mean, we've got stories of domestic violence, stories of molestation. I mean, these stories are so raw and they're so real. And these women wrote these stories from their pain, but they were willing to take that chance to share their pain in order to give other women the courage to be able to own your story and to be able to have the freedom to talk about it. And I say these women are courageous out there because they, they have endured a lot of criticism from family mm -hmm. members who didn't want them to talk about it. But on the flip side of it, because 
many of these women have adult children who did not know their moms endured that. And so it brought a level of healing for their children. Um, uh, I've, I've, I've heard about some of the women whose families have grown closer because they're now telling their story. I've seen these women grow um, because they've now got it out, things that all the hurt and pain that they packed up for years and did not feel safe to talk about it. And so I think what I'd like, to, you know, what we want to happen as a result of reading this book, first and foremost, I want to say that this is about more than a book. It's about the celebration of life. It's yes. about it's about the celebration of freedom. It's about embracing yourself as a black woman and not being ashamed to be called a black woman and embracing the beauty and the significance and the uniqueness of our culture. It doesn't mean that we don't embrace and love other cultures we do, but we love ourselves just as much. And I believe that people have to love themselves first before they can love other people. So we want we want women from other cultures to yes. read this book. We want you to understand what it's like for a black woman to be a black woman. What it's mm -hmm. like for a black woman to navigate in a in a system that is ruled by white supremacy and white privilege and what that what that feels like for us so that we can have a level of cohesiveness between our European and Hispanic and Asian sisters. Um, we want this book to liberate you, that when you read it, you find your story in one of those co-authored stories and no longer live with the shame of that, but know that God has the power to rise you up from that, that you can overcome that obstacle, you can overcome that challenge and live a life of freedom and liberty and the last thing and most important thing, which leads us into the movement, is that we want all women to know that our story is your story. Our voice is your voice. No matter whether you're the sister who's a CEO or the executive, or you're just the sister who's out here every day trying to take care of your kids and maybe you're on minimum wage. I am you and you are me. And we don't need to keep fighting each other, but we need to embrace each other and we need to love each other because at the end of the day, we're all black women and we all need each other. And that's yes. what we'd like to see come forth from this book. Amen, amen. Woo, okay. So you got an upcoming event in August. August 17th is the release of this powerful book. I am a black Yes, woman. it is. Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go. Y'all, I'm telling y'all don't understand how <laughs> this book is going to change. I, it, it's not even, it's about women. It's not, it's about black women, but it's about women in general who are able to use their voice to no longer walk around in silence with with something across their mouth because they don't they don't feel like they can open up and share their story and african-american women who are listening to this you guys i please i plead with you when this book comes out buy two or three copies of this book and share it with a, along with your sisters because everyone needs to know that they have a voice and they have the ability to use it 
they have the ability to use it. Sister, tell us about August 17th and the event that you guys are going to have for the launching. Oh, Althea, I am so super elated. I have to tell you that it didn't dawn on me until about two months ago. Mm-hmm. So August 17th, and this is how I know that this was a divine mandate. August 17th will mark nine months since the inception of this project. And so with that being said, August 17th is uh, a monumental day because it is the birthing not only of the book, but is the birthing of the movement. Yes. And so it marks nine months that we've been laboriously working on this project. And so August 17th here in Atlanta, Georgia at one o'clock p.m., we will be celebrating the birthing of this book and we will be celebrating with other women from all across the country. All the co-authors will be here in Atlanta and we'll get a chance to see each other face to face, hug each other, love on each other. It's not been an easy journey. When you are trying to unify people, it can be very laborious. It can be very sad at times. It can be very heavy at times. But I tell you that I am so so thankful and grateful for this because I think about this in this way, and this is what August 17th to me is going to be. Mm-hmm. When I read in the book of Acts in the second chapter, it talks about, and there was a day that that they came on one accord. Now, I know just from research that they weren't in the upper room one day, Althea. Uh, mm-hmm. They were in there approximately about 49 days. Now, what they were doing in 49 days, I don't know. Maybe they were arguing about who should serve the food. They were thinking about other things. They probably didn't get along. But what I do know from what I read, that after a period of time, that the Bible says, and the day came when they all came on one accord. And when they came on one accord, the Bible says it was on that day that the Holy Spirit came down and Mm -hmm. endowed each of them with power from on high. And that they were able to go out and witness to other people. And so for me, August 17th, to me, I liken it unto a Pentecost because it's the day that every person who comes to their book launch, that we're coming on one accord, that we're coming not jealous of each other, not competing with each other, but we're coming to celebrate not just the book, we're coming to celebrate each other. We're coming to celebrate each other's businesses. It's going to be black people in one building at one time saying, we're going to forget about all of our isms and schisms. And we are here today to celebrate the fact that we are one people. That is going to be a powerful thing. And I want everybody that can to come and just to be a part of the love and to be a part of the unity. And then at that book launch, everyone will get a chance to meet the co-authors of the next project, which is I Am a Black Woman, the next level. So this is a series, and it's going to go on and on and on. So, yes, August 17th is the day, and I am super excited about it. Yes, yes, and I will definitely be posting on a consistent basis the flyers, the location, all the information that 
needs to be given. So I need that place packed out. I'm going to make sure that this information gets out. Dr. Steffens, do you have any last words for our listening audience? Yes, I do. I want to tell uh, all of the audience that you can now pre-order the book. And I know that Ms. Althea will put that up. You can go to www.iamablackwoman.net. You can pre-order the book now for the special price of $19.99. Please support what we're doing. Even if for some reason you can't make the launch, just pre-order a book and get one for yourself and for friends. Get one for a group of women and y'all get a book club and just read it together. But I want to end the show by using our mantra, which is I rise, you rise, we rise. And I put that together to say, when I rise, you're going to rise because I'm going to help you rise. And when you rise, then we all rise up together. So I want to say to everyone listening, to all of the beautiful queens that are listening, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, and I know, sister, you've gone through a hard time because as black women, we just go through a hard time. But we are resilient. We are strong. We are remarkable. We are beautiful. You can rise up from wherever you are, and I'm going to be there, Althea's going to be there, and there's a whole host of other sisters that will be there to support you and cheer you on so we can all rise up together. Amen. Amen. Dr. Steffens, it has been a privilege and honor and blessing to have you on the show today. I am so excited. I cannot wait to interview the other African queens on this show and and I am just, I am overwhelmed and overjoyed to be a part of this, to be, this is history. To me, this is history made today. It is history made. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being on, on my show today. Oh, and thank you, Sister Althea, for sharing your platform with us. Because that's what it's all about. It's about the movement is about women coming together. I'm looking for women like yourself. I want to put that out there that we can do things to move this movement and use your platform like what you're doing, Sister Althea. We need media coverage. We, that's a way to get our voices out. Yes. And so people can inbox me and just say, hey, I want to be a part of the movement. So thank you, Sister Althea, for sharing your platform. I will forever love you for your support. And I love this station and I love the work you're doing. And I'm telling you, your audience is in for a treat because these queens are just fantastic. Amen. Well, this is Althea with Wove Inspirations, Monday Morning Motivation. You guys get excited, get motivated, go forward. Let's go. Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to Wove Inspiration. If you'd like to follow us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at W-O-V-E Inspiration. If you want to leave a comment or question, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, email us at W-O-V-E Inspiration at gmail.com. This is Althea Richardson. I hope everyone has an awesome day and keep moving forward.